I hope you had good seminars this afternoon. You enjoyed the seminars, and I hope you're enjoying enjoying things so much. Um, do 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 that thing of letting yourself be accountable. It's not a word that we we kind of. It's not a very fashionable word, is it? But uh, in Christian community, mutual submission. You know, being accountable to each other, wanting the best for each other means that, uh, that we find people we can trust and we share with them stuff that God's been doing in our lives and we say, would you pray for me and would you ask me ab- about that? Um, if you want one thing, I mean, today's conference is obviously about the work of the Holy Spirit, but if you want one thing that will accelerate your, your maturity in Christ, it is to have someone who can speak into your life and ask how it's going. So just if you do nothing else, just be thinking about, about you know, what do you want to take away from here? We're, uh, we're not here in any way, are we, to consume God and, and get a buzz for ourselves. We want, as John said last night, we're, we're here, yes, to be blessed, but then to be a blessing. So saying to someone, you know, saying, this is the thing, I'm really going to, I think God's asking me, and then they can ask you a little bit later, how's that going? How's that going with the prophetic words, with whatever it may be? So we've got a question and answer session. We have the lovely team from St. Mary's. Uh, we very deliberately don't have John with us. John, um, as those of us who were here this morning, John is needing for really good human reasons to spend a little bit of time just uh, getting his energy uh, right for, for tonight. But John and I just having a quick word about this session before we did it. Um, so clear that we want to express the truth that you don't need, uh, you don't need a name in any sense to do question and answer kind of stuff about the work of the Holy Spirit because, uh, because the Holy Spirit is at work in, in all of us. So it was a real deliberate choice to say, let's have the team uh, and, uh, and ask them. Uh, if I could just sort of wave one little red flag, uh, this time is not going to be well used if we try and sort of get into real intricacies of theology, you know? That's when the John Peters in me will come out, because we all have a bit of him in us, don't we? Uh, We will gently and lovingly kind of say, let's take that somewhere, let's take that somewhere else. So let's not waste our time with sort of too much theological intricacy. That's not the same as saying we don't want to be serious about important and serious things. But we have a lovely panel of people, and uh, we have some microphones. The lovely James is going to kind of be in the Hello. chair a little bit to sort of direct questions to, uh, to, to the right people, perhaps, if that's okay. And James will kind of move stuff on between our panel, because he knows these lovely people and, and their gifts and stuff. James, do you want us just to ask for a question, or do you want to do something? I'm going to pray, but do you want to... Uh, do you want to do something else first, or just do we get gone? No, I think just echoing what you said, like we're, we're not trained theologians. Um, and actually, you know, we're, we're just a team of people that, that, um, that show up. And so actually, the, the, the truth is, a lot of you could probably be sitting up here as well. Um, we will direct all theology questions back to Andrew. Um, <laughs> or, or Tim. Tim. Yeah. Tim's very theological, aren't you, Tim? No. But yeah, um, yeah. Cool. And then the, uh, I'm going to pray. But the other thing to say is no question is 
too stupid to ask, okay? I can pretty much guarantee you that your question that you're worried about might seem a bit too obvious. There'll be a load of other people in the room who have exactly the same question in their mind. So please feel absolutely liberated to ask any question that you want. And, and definitely, if it just seems to you, maybe, oh gosh, I wonder if that's a bit simple, if everyone else knows the answer. They don't. So we can share in some wisdom together. Let's pray. Father God, we want to say thank you so much again for all that you are pouring out to us in this time that we have together as your people. Thank you that uh, there is real significance in what we're about uh, in this third person gathering. Thank you, Jesus that you are the one who is calling us. You are the shape. You are the voice that we're to share in. And thank you, Spirit, that what we're about in this time together has significance for us personally, but also has significance for your church and for the whole world. And so just in this moment, we're saying thank you. But we also, again, want to be expectant for this time. Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you guide? Would you lead us into greater understanding, into greater truth through the time that we share now? And all the people said, Amen. So who's got a question? We've got some lovely people with microphones. Who's got a question that we can put? There's one down here. There we go. That's the hand I saw first. Thanks, Tim. We'll try and keep the question short because then the answers will be better. I want to ask a question which I think will be helpful for a lot of people. How have team members overcome the fear of man? Good question. Good question, Chris. Um, I, I think uh, those of you who were in the last session with James and Caroline, uh, Caroline talked a lot about being um, a child of God and having our identity rooted in that. Um, and I, for a long time with my life, I was everything was kind of based in fear, but I didn't I didn't recognise that there was, for whatever reason, whether it was cultural when I was growing up or things inherited or experienced kind of fear was the soil by which a lot of things grew in my own life. And, um, and decisions I made were always based in fear. And it was only really when I started to engage um, with God and, and really kind of seek who he was and allowing him to dismantle my view of what he was like, then have him rebuild that. And then in that place, finding him as a good father, what that meant for me as a child, I started to realize I could be a lot freer. And, and kind of the fear of man was a part of that. Um, I, um, I, I was listening to this talk recently and this guy was a Christian um, uh, worship leader and a speaker in America and he said that things were going really well and then all of a sudden he would um, he just basically ruin things so you know for his actions and stuff and so he went to like a, a kind of Christian rehab um, and on the way he rang his dad who was a pastor in South America and he said dad you you won't, you won't hear from me for a few weeks because they take your phone off of you and all these sort of things. 
And his dad said, before you go in, I have to share a story with you. And he said that they were doing a tent mission in South America. And uh, a lady went up to him and said, um, Father, uh, fa- uh, Father, Father, can you help? Uh, the, can you pray that God blows away the cobwebs from my life? And he thought, that's a very poetic prayer. That sounds a Christian thing to do. I'll pray that. So she goes up to him on the second night and says, Father, Father, can you pray that God blows away the cobwebs of my life. And he says, you know, we, um, we did that last night, but okay, we'll go for it again. That's fine. And then she goes up to him again on the third night. And she says, can you pray that God blows away the cobwebs of my life? And he says, no, tonight we kill the spider. And, and it was one of those things of going, we see these things that happen. It could be a fear of man. It could be a fear of public speaking. It could be a fear of something else. And there's usually a root system. And, and it really is, we need to ask God, our Father, to help kill that spider. So I think for me personally, I, I went, had to go after that, and um, he's helped. Um, Iosia, are you happy to share as well? Yeah, what Chris said is good. It's good to get to the root of it. But in the process, I should say that I do most things absolutely terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I just spoke, did the seminar, and I was terrified beforehand. And But I think... Um, Part of it is doing it anyway. And the, the thing is not being afraid. The, 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 key, you know, the, the thing is not about being afraid, even though I, my prayer is very much that the fear would go. What's valuable is doing it anyway, even though you're afraid. So if it feels uncomfortable to pray for somebody, or it feels uncomfortable to sing, or to speak... I'd just say do it anyway, and eventually the fear loses interest, I suppose. don't know if that's helpful. Very much so. I think, yeah, for me, it's just, it's just doing it. I mean, like in my, in my seminar, I was telling you my story of, of my friend having a word that, that literally saved my life. You know, um, one of those modes of just being like, do you know what, what's the worst thing that can happen here? What's the worst thing of, of me giving a word? What's the worst thing of me um, uh, being a bit freer in worship? What's the worst thing um, that can happen with me um, preaching or speaking or just sharing with my friend? What's the actual worst thing that can happen? Like, we live in a culture that is quite sensitive to Christianity. Obviously, we're, we're going through tough times, but, but we don't live in a culture where we'll be beheaded. And even if we are in that kind of culture, it's like, you know, those people are like, great, cool, bring it on. So I think, you know, for, for me, what are we actually fearing? Like, fear, fear of man is just fear of man. Like, it, like what's the worst they can do to me? Um, I was just going to add, um, there's um, kind of different sorts of fear as well. So in what I'm thinking about now is, is the sense of fear in ministry within the church. I just feel like the church should be a place of no fear at all. You know, we should be um, encouraging one another. So, um, you know, you don't want to have to come into church and to sort of wonder whether people have got your back or not, I guess. And so it's our responsibility as a church to um, really speak well of each other, to encourage each other's gifts in this space. And this this space should be so, so safe for people to, um, to come to God and to share words and, and prophecies and, and all sorts. Um, and I just think, um, okay, there's, you know, I, I know myself, I know, um, you know, I go to work and I 
sit there and go, maybe I should, maybe I should share something with someone, and 90% of the time I won't, because work feels like a quite a difficult place to do that. But church should feel so safe for that sort of thing. Great, thank you. If I may just, uh, I'm really struck by what you shared, James, about about John, that uh, John's uh, expression of himself and his gifts. Uh, in terms of on a, on a platform and an occasion like this, are completely rooted in his life of prayer. So I think we have to take seriously, don't we? Uh, how are we being fed? How are we being watered? How are, we, how are we preparing ourselves in the ongoing things for those for those moments when it comes out? So you know that sense of scripture being not sense the truth, scripture being a weapon. Well, you have to have scripture within you, and that's been reflected by you guys a number of times. That might be something that a few of us in the room just want to want to think about: how our our confidence level would be higher, and our experience of just trying these things out would be greater. You know, if we have those disciplines of prayer of Bible study, of accountability, of, of walking the walk, that sort of sense of being soaked uh, in God so that it, oh, that's what overflows to others. And I was really struck, as I say, what, it, you know, to me as a leader, that's a real challenge. You can, as a leader, you can spend all your time talking about God and not actually speak with God. And that's true for a leader, so... I need to be watered, we need to be watered, so we overflow. Can we take a question from upstairs, maybe? Is there someone up in the... Yeah, they just all woke up. They just, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you mean there's a mic up here? This is yeah, why I said. Just remember here. there's words of knowledge going on in this space, so um, <laughs> does anyone have a question up there? Not at the moment. Okay, we're coming back down. Another question down here. Uh, I think I saw your hand second anyway. Yeah, Tim, thank you. I will come this side as well, friends. Don't worry. Um, my question is, um, when you're praying for healing outside of the church and you don't see results, how do you use that as an opportunity to you know, share your story about what God's doing in your life? Because I think that's a lot of people's fear, not seeing the results. And that's what stops people going out and, and, and doing it. Um, good, good, really good question. Um, and I think that's the thing, is that we come to these things and, you know, most of us love new wines and all that sort of stuff. And you know, get fired up when I'm surrounded by Christians, but actually how do I take it out of these four walls and affect my community and my workspace and and family who don't believe. Um, I, um, I work in an office in London, and um, uh, I think I look for opportunities to pray for people, not all the time. Um, most of the time, I've got my head in front of a screen, and I don't want to be interrupted. Um, but occasionally, you can kind of see people that are struggling. And I, I try, like everything that John's been, and these guys have been talking about, is just be super normal. So one instance, there was a colleague of mine and uh, she walked past my desk and I said, you know, are you okay? And you could see in her eyes that she wasn't, that she was struggling. And she was like, well, no, I'm not actually. So we went into one of the meeting rooms and I just said to her, like, what's, what's going on? And just trying to be very normal, like you would to, John's always saying, be a normal person, ask normal questions. And, um, and uh, so I work for a part of the UN that I'm bringing in all the sort of Syrian refugees and stuff. So she had a really... Um, hard case on her desk of a, a, a four-year-old, no, two-year-old, 
a four-year-old child. He had stage four cancer um, because of all the war in Syria. And um, the Home Office at the time were saying that they weren't going to pay for him to come to the UK because he was going to die. And um, and he, you know, there's no point paying for the treatment when that money could go towards other people. So it was a, you know, a really serious thing she had on her desk. And she was saying that she has a four-year-old child and she can't, she can't leave this at work. It, it haunts her when she goes home. She's drinking in the evening. So you know, you had lots of things at play here. And um, and I'm just sat there thinking, how the heck can I sort this out? Like, what am I supposed to do here? So um, I just to tell her, you know, you try and. Try and be empathetic. Some people, Sarah's very good. She doesn't need to try. She is empathetic. I have to try to be empathetic. So you say, that sounds really tough. That's really hard. That's horrible. We'll speak to HR because that sounds like something you need to be helped with. But also, I just said, can I pray for you? And can I just pray? So I just said like a 30-second prayer because people go, oh, yeah, that would be nice. And then you pray, and they're a bit like, oh, you mean now? And um, so I just prayed, very quick prayer, like, you know, Lord, can you show uh, this lady that you love her? Can you bring her peace? Um, and then at the end, it was a, a, just a quick prayer of like, and can you really help the situation with this child? Um, and then we went, this is a while ago, so then we went uh, home for Christmas. And then about a month later, she came up. She was like, you'll never guess what happened. The Home Office have changed their mind. They've paid for him to come here. He lives in Bristol now, and he's being treated for his cancer. But she also said that by the end of the day, all the anxiety had left there, and she was just very peaceful. So I think my... I can't go into a situation thinking God's not going to do something here. But one of the things, if, if, if people don't get their miracle, you can still love them. And you can still make them walk away feeling that they're valued and that they've been loved and that actually they've been heard and that sort of thing as well. So kind of there's a duality there of going after the miracle, but also really trying to show someone that they're valuable and they're loved and, and that sort of stuff. I hope that helps. I, um, I was in a pub, uh, actually, for Sarah's birthday um, two years ago, a year and a half ago. And uh, basically, we, we were maybe eight of us, nine of us on the table. And I was sat on the end of the table. And uh, next to us were, were a couple having having a meal. And, and obviously, being James, I struck up a conversation with them. And they're probably like, leave us alone. I know for a fact that the guy was like, leave us alone. And it turns out they're on a Tinder date. And for those of you who know what Tinder is, uh, basically it's not, not the best thing to bring God into that situation. But, but we get chatting and uh, the, the, the girl, they seem to be quite open to us talking to them, which is nice. The girl, the girl says to me, oh, what do you do? Now, I'm a software engineer by trade, but at St. Mary's I'm a pastor, so I just tell people I'm a pastor. Because <laughs> then they're like, you're a pastor, you know, with a pint in my hand and the, and the snap back. They're like, you're a pastor. That's the, the standard response. So, so she does that. You're a pastor. I say, yeah. By the end of the conversation, she's sitting there opening herself to the spirit, right? And I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? I'm in a pub, but I'm going with it. And um, and she she doesn't feel anything. And so I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, I've done it in a pub, <laughs> but she didn't feel anything. And I, and I remember prophesying over her, and I said, I feel like maybe you do something with kids, and she went like this. <laughs> no, I hate kids. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Strike two, you know. Um, but she said something to me at the end as she was leaving, um, and uh, you know, her boyfriend, boyfriend followed me on Instagram and uh, promised me that he was going to come to church. But as she was leaving, 
she said to me, and th and this is probably the nicest thing you can you can say to somebody when you're in that situation. She said, James, I've never met a man like you. I've never met a man like you. Now, often in these situations, we're like, oh, the best case scenario is healing, and yeah, of course it is. Like the best case scenario is someone's leg growing out or their knee um, being better or a broken arm being fixed. But what a beautiful moment that, that she experiences Jesus and thinks, I've never met anyone like this. For me, the best case scenario there was her being like, blah, 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 speaking in tongues, oh, God, I give my life to Jesus, and then breaking it off with Mr. Like, um, that would be best case scenario for me. But what she experienced there was Jesus. She experienced the church in action, and she was blown away by it. She didn't experience what I wanted her to experience. She might not have experienced what she wanted to experience, but she experienced Jesus, and that's the key with this. Also, sometimes people won't tell you <laughs> what's going on for them. It happens quite a lot, because one, they don't, I mean, they don't want you to be right. They want to be right. They want to prove that, you know, there is no God, etc. cetera. Um, and um, quite a few of us will have stories of people going, no, nothing, and then, a year later or two years later, that uh, turns out that actually it meant a whole heap to them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we were even praying about that this morning. John prayed for us all and went, listen, just don't worry about what you say because we just don't know what's going on for people. And also sometimes your brain doesn't work in the same way as theirs. Like I'd said something to someone earlier on today and at the, you know, nothing, nothing at all. No, like, oh, that's interesting that you say that. And then 10 minutes later, after having a conversation, I was like, so, every, so everything I said was right then, and you gave me no indication. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> and that will, that, will, that will happen sometimes because they don't necessarily connect what you're saying with, you know, until later. So just don't, you, you've done your job. You've delivered the letter. Healing is the goal, right, when you pray for someone in, in the street for healing. That... That's the goal, right? But if they don't get healed, but they meet Jesus, then great. That's amazing, right? If they don't give their life to Jesus, but they experience him, then that's incredible as well. Because, you know, they, they walk into work the next day, and then, you know, their new colleague joins, and they say to their colleague, you know, what did you do at the weekend? And they're like, oh, I went to church. Yeah, I, I met a Christian once, and he was really nice to me. And that, that's a seed that's been planted and could, could grow into something more. Thank you, guys. I, I'm really struck by uh, what you're sharing and by how, how John, the, uh, the way he's, he's teaching us and helping us to see how Jesus trained, isn't he? he um, such an emphasis on the first experience you have in prayer is of being loved. That, so, so that in the story that James is telling, that, that person was somehow saying, I've never met someone like you because I have a sense of Jesus love and there can be a danger can't there that we're so keen to kind of get to the end of the story as we see it and don't know what God what God is doing in that in that story so maybe that's something for a lot of us to be just thinking about is is you know at the very least and of course it's not least at all how would everyone I spoke to have a sense that that there's been love expressed I'm, I'm always reminded there were two miracles weren't there when Jesus fed a lot of people there was the miracle of the sharing of the food but there was the miracle of the little boy who offered what he had in his hand two miracles not 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 one there's a question on this side of the room I'm going to make a comment that it's all men in a moment oh I just did that out loud sorry sorry <laughs> 
So, so this is a question kind of maybe for uh, those of us, like us as a church, starting out without this in, in our DNA. So kind of uh, as a church, we want to grow in this area and we're just kind of dipping our toes into the water. What advice would you guys give us, as a bunch of us coming from, from a particular church, that really want to see God move in this way in great, with greater freedom? Um, and we're just kind of stepping out in this, and we, we would love to see this uh, happen and, and grow in that area. So that's the question. Can we just give them a round of The first thing, I like, just give them a round of applause just for being here and say thank you. Sorry, guys, just uh, that's so encouraging. That's so encouraging that you guys are here. Right. What's the advice for them? They want to step out in this. Maggie. I was just going to say, read the book. It's a good start. (laughs) Seven pounds. Over in the corner. Um, Well, I was going to say that the first thing, you've already done it. You've shown up. And um, I guess there's that is it you know we've got guides we've got the bible and all the rest of it but it's not it's not something that you can make happen on your own so it's about showing up it's about um just doing this model that we've been shown that's really simple that's not about us and having expectancy that god can move in that and i think it goes back again to that question about fear which i thought was really essential that you know, I'm like Iosier. I I always feel afraid of these things. Every time I go and pray for someone, I'm not sure. But it, it's that point of like, the more you do it, the more you see, the more that faith builds. And it's kind of contagious as other people see things happening. They are almost released to come forward to pray as well. And so I think, you know, the first thing is show up. And, and then the thing is spend time with God, as you mentioned, like your own life, your own relationship with God. And then feel the fear and try anyway. And the rest isn't, isn't us, it's God. So. As you were asking your question, um, Caroline, <laughs> just, just here was just like, just do it. <laughs> just do it that's the answer and that that is kind of the answer like just just do it like the normal christian life is to do this stuff like this isn't this isn't we obviously we call it supernatural but it but it's actually just this is us this is what we're here for this is our calling um this is what we're meant to be um yeah going along the same lines of creating the space so the time but also making sure that you have a set that it's, I don't know, after church every under Sunday or so creating that actual time. Also doing it together with people. Um, I've, like at St Mary's, I'm a dancer. I've been trying to do dance for ages and really struggling on my own and just confidence and all of that thing and not feeling like I've got the confidence or the equipment to be able to do it. And it's taken me years, <laughs> years and years and years. And um, actually, God provided me another girl who wanted to dance. And actually, I just realized how actually doing it together, being able to pray with her, being able to encourage her when she's been attacked, and her uh, being able to pray for me, there's that connection, and there's that like, yeah, we're going to do this, or we're really tired today, but actually, we're still going to do this, or we're still going to go at the end of the church, and we're still going to do it. And I think doing it together, praying for each other, praying for courageousness, and yeah, so yeah, do it together. I was just going to say, it doesn't have to look the same in every church. You know, I'm a a member of a a wonderful small group, and actually the most powerful moments of the Spirit I've ever experienced have been in that 
that smaller setting with people who are just completely for each other, that are completely, um, you know, not afraid of the things of the spirit. And um, it might be that that's that's where to start if it's more difficult to do that in a sort of a Sunday setting. Um, but those those things tend to catch fire. Once once it's started, it's very difficult to to really stop because you you see the fruit, you see the joy that comes from it, and um, you know, don't dismiss the small things. I guess is all I'm saying is there's there's always a good place to start. I mean, some of us are old enough to uh, be more familiar, perhaps, with life before um, the Spirit really moved in a number of ways in, in this country. And perhaps quite a few people here can tell stories of uh, being in church fellowships where there was uh, quite a closeness to the things of the Spirit and, and quite, a, quite an argument, really, quite a battle at times. So that's my own experience in church life. Um, nothing, nothing ever happens without prayer. So, so we have to be faithful in praying, first and foremost. The story of this church is, is of people who prayed faithfully for a long period of time before stuff really, really began. Many people would, would say that to you. And uh, that could be your season. That could be your bit in, in, in running this race, is, is deep prayer for everyone who you are hoping to be open to the things of the Spirit. The second thing which these guys don't realize they do because they just do it, it's their culture, is tell stories. You, you cannot confound the power of telling, of telling stories. That's why John's book has, and I'm not trying to sell it again, although I do believe in everyone having it, uh, that's why he's got stories in the book. And that's why these guys do nothing else but, but tell stories. And in this church, which has an amazing heritage of being open to the Spirit as a leadership, we know that we've got to go back into telling deeper and deeper stories, part of where we're trying to go as a church family. You just can't take things for granted. You have to have the power of testimony. And, and I would just say those two things hand in hand, prayer and tell stories, will we'll, we'll change. God will use those things if you're faithful. I just want to add to that, Andrew, as well. I was just going to say, um, it, make it become a, a cultural thing. You, you know, you mentioned DNA. Do it every week, every week. And even if, even if for the first five years you have one person come up and zero words of knowledge, you know, it, it won't be that long. But, you know, if, if for the first few months there's very little reception and you feel a little bit like a fish floundering around, and then the next, you know, and then open up the floor for stories in the week and stories from ministry time and keep doing that and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually your carpet will be full of people and there won't be enough people to pray for the people. Um, and... Uh, the stories, the line will be as long as the thing and you'll have to send them all s sitting back down again. And that's what happens to us sometimes. Um, keep, just m make it part, this is what we do here. This is what we do here. It's normal, it's normal, it's normal. It happens every week, this is what we do. It, do it doesn't have to be the big stories as well. It can be the little stories, like the, the, the little things like we, we, we obviously share the big stories, but there's also the little ones like I, oh, I felt I felt God say to me this about somebody, and as I started to share that, they started to cry. I mean, that is that is, you know, I don't think they were crying because you know I had annoyed them. Like in that in that context, you just suddenly for the person, it might even just be, wow, God knows me, and that is that is a big thing. That's a big story. It feels like it's a small thing because it's not you know. 
I prayed for someone and their arm was missing and it grew back. Like, like go for the small things as well and that sets the culture because we'll share about anything. Like when we go back tomorrow, you know, we'll, we'll get up and we'll share and it will be like the, the big ones and it'll also be the little ones. And uh, <laughs> I mean, one time I think you got up and were like, yeah, I gave a word, a prophetic word to someone and I was wrong. <laughs> it was like, cool. Like, but again, it sets a culture of, oh, you gave a prophetic word to somebody. That's amazing. That's incredible. So what we'll do is just, well, let's take two minutes just where you get a chance just to turn to your neighbor and just say, uh, you know, what's your question prompted by what you've heard so far? What uh, in the answers, what would you have liked to have said? Hmm, I wish they'd said a bit more about that or hang on a second. What about you just like to do that for a minute or two? Just have your own private little Q&A session and then we'll come back. Let's turn, let's turn back in. That's great. Who's, who's got the next, the next question? Still looking up. Ah, yeah. This is a lady. There's a, there's a lady there as well. Okay, well, okay. two ladies. This lady and then that lady. Okay. Um, my question is linked with earlier when a lady stood here and had an issue um, with guilt that God was touching. And John mentioned how he felt that can be a block to physical healing and I think probably we just can't know can we percentages of this sometimes it seems somebody can be physically healed and yet they probably do have all these blockages don't they and then other times maybe that is a reason can anyone comment on that that's we're going to hold that not to deny coming I'm just giving them just a little headspace. Mm. it's a great mm. question really important one can we hear the other question as well? There may be linkage between the, between the two. Um, how do you be a evangel- good evangelist without feeling like you're forcing it? Because I think sometimes in work situations, you want to be able to talk, talk about God, but you don't want to end up thinking like you're forcing the, the subject. Great, thank you. So, question about evangelism and not forcing it, but actually... I think the question is related because of the question really about guilt and the amount of guilt and blockage to God's work, um, but don't have to join them. I'm just, yeah, yeah. where do we go? So I'll, I'll just touch on this one and then pass, pass it along to Serene, who's, no? Oh, someone else. Uh, basically, <laughs> I heard noise. I thought it was Serene. I thought she was like, give me the mic. Um, we, I prayed for someone in Worcester and uh, um, basically... Uh, this this lady, while we're praying for her, she's 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 responded to a word of knowledge of severe whiplash, um, and on both both sides of her neck, she's in constant pain because of it, right? And so um, we're we're praying, and and the pain's not not going, and uh, and her face is like this, right? If you can close up, you know. She's like really like screwy is the best way to describe it it's like inwards right so so i'm i'm praying for her and and i just feel to say tension go in jesus name right and she goes like this she goes it's gone and we were like test test the neck and she's like yeah it's it's healed so so the the tension was related to to the neck problem 
So the issue wasn't the whiplash, it was the tension that was um, maybe caused by the accident or caused by whatever situation. So sometimes, while it's not a blockage in the sense of um, if you're feeling guilty or if you've not forgiven someone or if you've got secret sin in your life or you've got you know open sin in your life, like um, that's a blockage to God working in you. Sometimes those things are actually related. And so, so for her, that tension thing um, is essentially when it went, the the neck went instantly as well. Like they were totally, they were totally related. So, so I think with the guilt blocking that, there was probably a relation there. I think also stuff, and I'm going to contradict, my, contradict myself now. Sometimes stuff can also block, but it's not like it's a blocking God from from blessing that person it's it's actually that that stuff's in the way um, and that needs to be dealt with as well yeah. um, I think uh, the link between the two questions and I think was your question also about how do we as people who are trying to minister kind of determine um, you know if there's a blockage or not and and I, th- I think for both questions um, we we can't ever forget that it's a partnership with Jesus and that we can always go to him and check with him. So sometimes there'll be a blockage for one reason or, or there won't be. Um, it's not for me to work it out. It's for me to ask Jesus to, to tell me what to do. And it's the same with evangelism. Like, how, Lord, how do I reach this person? There's, there's no one model of evangelism. It's that each person is, a, is an individual and he knows the key to unlock what they need. Um, and the great thing someone mentioned earlier on, like we don't need to be very good at our job because we have someone living inside us who is. And actually, it's, it's accessing uh, Jesus and saying to him, like, in, in those moments, like, what do I do? Like, I don't know. Like, is, is this person got unforgiveness? Which, you know, we don't really want to ask them because, you know, it's, it could be painful and, and insensitive and, and also putting the blame on them for their illness, which we don't want to ever do. But actually, sometimes he'll prompt you and he'll say, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with something else. And sometimes he'll say, it, it could be you need to ask them some pri- questions. We don't know. That's the thing. We just don't know, but he does. So in all the, and in, in evangelism, we just have to always remember it's a partnership. It's not on you. It's, it's on him. We just have to turn up and deliver the mail, as we keep saying. Can I add? Going to your question. Uh, we, sort of this week, actually, um, so praying for people in your workplace, um, we, this week, we were like, we really need to pray more together, so um, we're married. And so um, we... Uh, <laughs> We uh, started really digging back into praying in the morning. And I've got this friend who's recently just broken up with her boyfriend, sort of five years, and not a Christian. And uh, just a big one of relationship. I'm all about being in a relationship, getting to know them. Get, um, instead of just shoving it down, let's have a coffee. Let's, uh, let's be there for them. Let's love them. Let's, um, and so for me, I've, I've met up with her. I've given my time. We've had coffee. We've had dinner. I've gone to the theater with her. And it got to the point this Tuesday, and um, as well as praying for opportunity, pray God for open doors, give me words, give me encouragement, because I get so scared of these sort of things, even talking right now, like, give me strength to do this. Um, and then we were at her house, and, um, and because of that relationship that was built, I said, how are you doing with your, uh, your break and stuff? She was like, yeah, I'm doing really well, I'm doing really well. Uh, only when I think about it, it's a little bit hard. And I said, I don't think you are doing well, actually. But actually, those words could have been cutting sort of a month ago. But actually, now I've been building this relationship. She took it and she was like, ugh. And suddenly, she was like, okay, I'm really angry. 
and she suddenly then started letting out. And then towards the end of the evening, um, I said, I'm going to pray for you. Like, I really want to pray for you. And then I went to the toilet. And I was like, oh, sorry, idiot. Why don't you pray then? You should have done it. And I was like, God, that was God telling me right there. You should have done it. And I went back out of the toilet. And I said, can I pray for you now? Um, and she said, yeah. And then she said, uh, there's a laptop on the, on the settee. Can we get rid of that? And I said, yeah, I don't know if God wants to pray with a laptop on the settee. I don't know, some random thing. But work with them. Work with them. Let's get rid of the laptop. Um, and she just sat next to me, and she just had my knee, and, and I just prayed. Basically, relationship. That took time, um, and I was being a friend. Yeah. Hi, just to address the question about... Um, physical healing and also other stuff. Um, I think, I don't know, sometimes the ways of God are not, I, I can't, the, fact, the way the Holy Spirit works is sometimes you're praying for someone's knee, but the Holy Spirit is highlighting the fact that they need to find rest in him or, you know, whatever it is, because the, the Lord views us as whole. He views the whole person, the physical, emotional, spirit, spiritual. And my journey of, of healing, um, I have a chronic kidney condition and I have had a measure of healing, but I still take meds and I'm still holding that every day. But over the last five years of, of returning to church, the process with me has been much more God dealing with, first of all, my prayers, Lord, heal me. I want to be healed. Of course I want to be healed. But actually the process he's taken me through has been, he's addressed so many so much more than that, so much fear that I had. I, he, he healed me of a lot of disappointment about renewing hope, um, about uh, blame, guilt, and, and sometimes that's linked to the physical. Um, and so it's just, even though, of course, the desire is for physical healing, if there's a physical healing issue, I think there's more to it than that. Can I just add to that? Um, I'm a humanitarian aid worker and I work a lot around trauma and it's it's interesting that often in you know a lot of cultures people will come with physical ailments um, and actually a lot of it is the burden of trauma like psychological trauma but there's no way of expressing that and so it presents physically and I think it's, it's as people have been saying you know we are whole creatures we are physical we are spiritual we are emotional and I think it's also the way that, um, you know, as we're praying for people and as we're ministering, like um, John said, you know, it's we are also people. We also have our senses. So it's not just always like a super spiritual thing that, you know, a word will come into your head or, you know, it's something also about as you pray for people that you're looking at them, that you have your eyes open and you're watching. And sometimes as mentioned, you know, you might, the person might have come forward because of pain in their knee, but as you're watching them, if you can see things that look like, you know, that look like pain, that look like maybe there's a, a sense of choking of not being able to, to speak something, you know, there's all sorts of things that you can see and, you know, that is not, not spiritual. You can speak into that as well in your prayer. If you see something, whether it's um, or a sense that you get, you can speak into it. But you're not saying to them that this is what it is, or this is, you know, you have to repent of something, or anything like that. Um, you're always, you know, it's not you. It's you're speaking prayers. You're blessing what God is doing. And through that, you'll, you'll see almost a reaction. If something triggers something, or there's obviously some kind of expression of release, then pray more into that. Um, and, you know, it's like we might 
be just looking at the healing of the knee, but actually there could be something that would be so much more powerful to someone's life that might be about guilt, that might be about pain, all these things that can really um, block the, the, the fullness of life. Thanks, uh, guys. Um, we're going to go to another question. Uh, just if I may just say, I think it's so important that we distinguish between... Um, uh, God, God doesn't use a general sense of guilt as a way of kind of keeping us in line. And I think as Christians, you know, I meet people who that's how perhaps they're, they're feeling. Um, if, if God gives us a sense of something not being right and a sense of being a barrier, he is our good father. He will reveal that to us. He, he will show us what needs to be attended to in our lives so that we can be set free from it. And, and so in common sense, as John has reflected a few times, we can know in certain situations, he, he, he said in the situation of bereavement, it's very common for there to be some sense of guilt. That's a common human experience. And so if we're praying for someone in those circumstances or we're in those circumstances, we would be aware of that and ask the Spirit to, to lead us in that. But when we're talking about something, you know, a, a more specific kind of guilt, if that's coming, you know, to us, if God is saying to us, here's an area of your life, here's something that is a barrier, God will make that clear. And he will also make clear the way for us to be free from it. Our good father does not use a general sense of guilt to kind of keep us in line or keep us dependent on him. So let's be free from, from any weight of, of that. It's got to be upstairs. It's yeah. got to be Hoping. upstairs. Hoping. Come on. Is there one that, yeah. There was a, there was that, a hand. There is was that a hand. Teddy? Teddy. Hello? Hello. Uh, <laughs> Can you hear us, Houston? <laughs> so I was just wondering, you guys tend to, pl tend to pray in tongues a lot and... I'm just wondering, what's the difference between that and just an intimate, you know, gut-wrenching, normal prayer? Great question. Thank you, guys. Very, do you mean an English prayer? Yeah. <laughs> 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 just, just help uh, us uh, say I'll, a little I'll bit about something. what's going on in you as you're, as you're using tongues and praying. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it says in the Bible at some point, um, <laughs> oh dear, um, that uh, the Spirit intercedes with sighs and groans. And uh, Iosia wrote a fantastic song about this, actually. Spirit, Spirit speak when I cannot find the words. Um release in me the praise that you deserve and just because we don't we can't find the words just because we can't articulate the way that we're feeling inside so super happy because arsenal have just scored or so so sad i you, you're lost for words or so surprised and overwhelmed and we don't always have the words but the bible tells us that our spirit is aligned with the spirit of the Lord, and that our spirit will pray on our behalf in times like that. So when you're on your face in grief, when you're crying so hard that your mouth cannot form words, your spirit can still call out what it needs to the Lord. Um, 
I will pass on now for some more detail. <laughs> not much really to add to that. Um, sometimes even with, because we were talking about this in the worship seminar, where um, sometimes you haven't got the words and you just make sound, you know. And there was a lady I was praying for, that we were praying for in the ministry time, and she just had this sound come out. And it wasn't in English, and it, you know, it was just a sound. Didn't, I couldn't even say which note it was. It doesn't matter. And sometimes the, Sp the Holy Spirit works through that, the sound that we make, the groaning, the, uh, the tears. Um, I, I sing in tongues a lot um, in, my own t in my own personal time of worship just because it's easier. Or sometimes I'll start, I'll be singing a song and then it will progress into singing in tongues or speaking in tongues. Um, because the Holy Spirit, like Carolina said, um, just intercedes through that. Our spirits are in line with God's spirit and he knows. And so we just pray. I think, you know, you need both. You need to, you need to sing or pray with understanding. And we, it says it in the Bible, I can't remember where, you pray with understanding and you pray in the spirit. You need both but I think both are good. Yeah. And also just, I think sometimes it's also about like when you're actually praying for someone and you, you're speaking in tongues a bit, it's also, well, for me anyway, it's also a bit about getting out of the way in a sense, so you can try and also hear God, so that it's not just, I mean, when we speak, it's the conscious part of our brain, and it's formulating language and ideas and all the rest of it, and so there's a part of that which is much more directive, and I think there's something about when you pray in tongues, it's something about taking away just your conscious mind, and hopefully, you know, connecting more with God, and, and like what John said earlier about the when you're praying for words of knowledge and sometimes you have a initial thought maybe a word or something but actually if you can let yourself just listen a bit more maybe something more clear comes and for me it's also about that you know rather than just trying to say everything straight away and formulate it into kind of conscious thoughts trying to just wait in that place and hopefully connect more to what god might be saying i just wanted to quickly add um sorry uh, um, oh, now look what you've done. It does this to me all the time. You know what? It's really hard work. <sighs> yes, I know. So, we say actually a lot. In, it's, people write that line in songs a lot in English about like, I will always glorify your name. You are worthy. You are glorious. I give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. You are worthy. We are worthy. We are worthy. And the point is, is that like, our spirit within us is always seeking to glorify God and, uh, and, and to declare that he is worthy. So even sometimes when in our lives you want to be like, Lord, I want the job, or please give me some more money, or I'll, you know, you're, you're asking about something in particular, the spirit that lives within you is still glorifying the Lord all the time. And, the, and tongues is, is, is our spirits talking to God, and, um, which I know we've already said, but the point is is... is is that we're telling him that he's worthy all the time without having to use the same dull English phrase. And in, and in so much more of a beautiful, articulate, poetic, extensive way, there is no limit to the ways that you can glorify God using tongues, whereas with English, quite limiting. 
to answer your question, just to break it into the two things you said, what's the difference between a heartfelt prayer and praying in tongues? For, for me, a heartfelt prayer might be something like, um, please let them buy John's books because we'll get in trouble if they don't. And, and that's, that is a heartfelt prayer. <laughs> that is a heartfelt prayer. <laughs> no, so you might, you might be praying for someone, you know, and you might, you might pray a heartfelt prayer. Um, but but I, for me, praying in tongues, you know, is is when I don't have the words to pray the heartfelt prayer. It's like it's it's a heartfelt prayer without English. Like it's it's me being like I we really need to sell those books, so I'm gonna <laughs> we really need to sell those books, so I'm gonna I'm gonna you know um, bought a Honda but I should have bought a Kia. Um, I bought a Honda but I should have bought a Kia. To answer your question, I think if uh, we're going to just, can I just say, as someone who's, who's experienced it, uh, you know, right here, when I hear someone praying for me in tongues, when I'm more consciously aware of that, it's a love language. It's a that, that that's what tongues is. It's a love language to God. And if any of you anyway caught up on trying to engage your brains, and you know, it, it's expressing the depth of pure love and receiving and so I think there's a bit of it where you're where you're enfolding the person in love and that's what it feels like to, it feels like I'm being ministered to not simply through the words that are spoken as as wonderfully um, powerful and, and correct and direct they can be but I just have that sense of the whole experience of, of it's it's like a bath in God's love like a shower in God's love. Yeah, studies have shown that um, speaking in tongues regularly has had profound healing effects on depression, anxiety, and emotional health, uh, which I found fascinatingly interesting and decided to increase my intake substantially as a lifelong sufferer of depression. Um, so actually, yeah, um, I thought that was amazing. I like, yeah, I'll give that a go then. I'll take that if my spirit receives, you know, that bath that you're talking about in God's love through get tongues, then you know what, I've got nothing to lose. If you don't speak in tongues, just a little caveat, it's a, it's a gift that we can all ask for. Um, and when, when you come forward for prayer later, when you all come forward for prayer later, um, or to pray for someone, just practice it. If you've never done it before, um, you know, again in Worcester, one of my favourite moments was I was praying for this old lady, and she's doing this with her lips. So we're making that noise, and I'm like, "Do you, do you speak in tongues?" And she's like, "No, I don't." I said, "Would you like to?" She said, "Yes, please." So I said, "Okay, well, I'll I'll start, and you just you just go for it because it's clearly that's what's trying to happen, right?" So I just start speaking in tongues, and suddenly this beautiful tongue comes out of her, and then she opens her eyes, massive glee on her face. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. So it's, it's available for all of us, whether you're young or you're old, like Andrew. Great. But, you know, <laughs> we just, uh, just, just keep remembering Paul's, you know, we, we're passionate about it, but just there's no Premier League of Christians, Ryman Second League, Tottenham Hotspur. We're all in it, you know.
I'm going to pray, and then we're going to we're going to break. Um, we're back uh, for our evening session at, at six o'clock. The doors open at five thirty. Again, ask any of the team if you need any guidance on great places to go to to grab some food. Um, let's just pray, and then we'll take some space and some time. Uh, as we will, the bookstall is open. John's book's available. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are, uh, you are love and you are surrounding us in love and you are filling us with love. And the whole of what we are doing and talking about now is, is to receive and experience and to overflow with your love. So thank you for words of love that you have been speaking in this time Together, thank you for the words of love, Spirit, that you whisper now into the ears of your people. And you're whispering now the words of love for us to carry from this conversation. We, we do pray for that church, Lord, for those faithful people who have gathered with us. And anyone else who's gathered with us because you're coming from in any way a sense of dryness or a, whatever it might be. May the love of God flow through your churches as well as through our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.